0: KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX.
1: And good morning, good Saturday, it's home improvement time, everybody lives somewhere, we all have something to fix or improve or change, something we're dissatisfied, we talk about that here on KMOX for the next two hours, all about you, your home, the topics ahead of you, the projects ahead of you, the honey-do list that sits there looming on the wall, does it ever get shorter? I think one completed task begets two more new uncompleted tasks. It just, you know, that's the way it is around my home. It just, you know, you get one done and there's two more. And, you know, I'm kind of excited about that. You know, demented minds, what can I say? Scott Mosby here two hours. I am truly at your service. Pleased to be here. Ten phone lines all open for you. 800-925-1120, 800-925-1120, Eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty eight hundred nine two five eleven eleven twenty, anywhere on the globe, anywhere in the world, and here, if you're in within the listening area of my voice. 314-436-7900 314-436-7900 you the regulars the listeners the family of wax you all know these by heart ready now 314-436 yeah the 7900 hundred nine two five. 11, yeah, we've got that down. Okay, there are a few more seats left in the classroom here. Come on in, move forward. It's like this isn't church. You don't have to sit in. You can move forward here and sit in the front pews if you'd like. We're going to talk about everything important to you. My name is Scott Mosby. I own Mosby Building Arts. We're 70-plus years old, founded by my father. I'm a second-generation master builder, carpenter, all the stuff that it takes to build anything residential, pretty much. And uh, consider me your research and development arm. For those of you that are do-it-yourselfers, I've already made all these mistakes for you. I can help you answer these questions, keep you between the lines and those tires out of the mud. We'll keep you moving forward. So when you're planning that project, and please plan that project, because any plan or any project without a plan, how do you know when you get there? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just goes on because if you have no plan, any road will get you there. So anyway, we talk about that, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. If you've been a homeowner for some time, maybe it's the sometime that's sneaking up on you. And you've been looking at that, whatever the project is for, sometime. Or that list of one day we're going to get around to it, one day had a neighbor uh, it had a motorhome, and uh, the name of the motorhome was Someday Came. Someday Came. I love that. I love that. Uh, anyway, so as it relates to that project you've been dreaming of, you've been cutting off all those magazine pages for, that's it. We can talk about that. And for those of you like me that come home multiple times during the day, and you pull up in front of your home, and you get a feeling that is what? Good. Not comfortable, an awareness of things undone, not finished, not coordinated, needs maintenance. Don't do that. That home is your island, my island, my little oasis away from the world where, you know, I get to have safety, comfort, security, and convenience as well. So some of the things around my home that I've looked at is, You know, where do I keep all my stuff? You know, when I get ready for the day, are my socks close to my t shirts, by my shorts, by my shoes, and all those things that I use in a day? What basically is the process, the ergonomics? What is the process flow of getting ready? Do I have everything in the right place? Yeah, well, that may be. I, I hear too many. Too many hands up in the room. Yes, I, I have too much time. That, that's the problem. I hear you there. But uh, some of us all have a lot of time here recently as we get back into our normal mainstream of lives. But uh, think about that. And if you're thinking about any project, whether you're building a doghouse, uh, finishing your lower level, uh, doing a bathroom, a kitchen, room addition, outdoor project, whatever it is, plan the work and work the plan. Plan the work and work the plan. Uh, So that's important because if you don't have a plan, any road will get you there, and it's important to know that because, frankly, the planning of the project, the scheduling sequence of what goes first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and then acquiring and what I call procuring or at Mosby Building Arts, buying out that project so that things are there when you need them, and the various lead times. Some cabinets have lead times of eight to 16 weeks. You know, that's that's two to four months on some finer cabinets. Uh, typically, cabinets are six to eight weeks anyway. Uh, so you're looking at that. And then some lumber you can get tomorrow. Uh, electrician, you know, lead time, couple of weeks. Plumber, it takes a little time. Oh, the plumbing fixtures. And then once you get the sink, well, what about the escutche- escutcheon, the pop-up drain, all the things that it takes to make those lever hand... Yeah, there's a long list of stuff. And like Santa Claus, making your list, checking it twice. Or third time, you know, measure twice, cut once. All those things you hear about. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. So if you are a first-time homeowner or aspire to be a first-time homeowner, or you know one, somebody that is seeking, and it may be at a young age, it may be later age, First-time home, as we go through this, where we want to spend our lives, where we want to go home and get away to, where we want to have that feeling of home, that is the place, that's the topic. If you know somebody that's going to be a first-time homeowner, turn them on to KMOX here. This is the ticket right here because I am truly uh, committed to getting people up. The Comfort Scale of Home Ownership, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby, own Mosby Building Arts. We've been around for 70-plus years. I've been on this radio show. I think I'm entering, or at least uh, pretty soon later this year, I might be entering my 23rd year. Yeah, I've been around a little bit. In that time, I've managed to make a few more mistakes, so I have even more good material ready and waiting for you. Uh, In the world of paints, uh, all of these uh, fantastic coatings, there are so many terrific coatings out there, and these things are phenomenal. They came out of the elastomeric roofing world to where pretty much you had liquid rubber could go on your roof. Then we started putting that stuff on the walls of the houses. And like the Ephus, the unvented and no drainage plane stucco of years back, we tried to keep all the water out. Well, we realized if we're keeping all the water out, we're trapping all the moisture in. And on a day like today here in good old St. Louis, you know, it's wet. The air is Humid. I think we invented close. If not, we're pretty close to it indeed. That's where the high humidity and the high temperature makes that air just hang right next to your skin and feel. Right there to where it's so close. You're climbing out of that humidity. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. I am at your service. This is KMOX, and this is where you go for your home improvement information. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I'll be right back.
0: Welcome back to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX.
1: Yes, indeed. Two hours today. We have it all for you. Mano a mano, just here. Lifetime of wisdom For you on Camwex 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. Bring on these phone numbers because I've got quite a few um, uh, phones that can be all for you. So I may fire through these things pretty quickly. Uh, We have no guests coming on for the next two hours. We have uh, just you, uh, just me. So, uh, you know. Bring it on, 314-436-7900, 800-925-1120. Let's get our first caller dialed up here and see what's cooking with my friend Danny. Hey, Danny, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. Uh, How can I help you this morning?
2: Well, good morning, Scott. I'm tickled to death to be uh, batting leadoff today. Amen, brother. You're the man. Hey, I'm helping a buddy with a remodel project, and he was looking for Actually, he started out looking for a sliding patio door, and we went to a local lumberyard and asked if you have any doors that maybe perhaps were ordered, and then the customer changed their mind, and now you're kind of stuck with them on hand. And the manager was like, he said, I actually have a couple atrium doors that you might be interested in. And... He said that uh, they were made by a company called Evolve. And I can't find much information on them on the Internet other than somewhere out of Boulder, Colorado. But he said that each one of these atrium doors that they got stuck with were, he said, uh, retail price was about $1,300 on them. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And he said that basically the district manager didn't want to hassle with trying to return them. And he said, $500 $500 cash and carry. Uh, one was a left-handed door. One was a right-handed door. And I just, i never heard of the company. And I didn't know if you had any experience with it or knowledge or if if you could tell us whether it'd be good for him to just go ahead and get one of these. If, if it's an $800 savings and it's quality door, I'm sure he did, but I just don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't either. I'm unfamiliar. There are quite a few. I mean, they're a private label. Everybody tries to get their own brand or a brand that, you know, so it it may be marketed as Evolve. It may be manufactured under various different patents of materials. But personally, I don't know anything about Evolve. Uh, Doors that are primarily marketed through retail channels are a little bit outside of my awareness pattern, if you will. Um, uh, We're pretty demanding when you get to the trade, um, you know, the plumbers know their business. The electrician knows the business. The carpenters know their materials and their hardware and doors and windows. So y- you better be pretty good to sell direct to the trade. Once you get retail, price becomes the first ticket. So again, it's what can I get for a good price? What a secondary is what am I getting for that price? So I, I don't know anything about Evolve. I I have to take the fifth on this one, Danny. I'm I'd like to be able to speak to it, but I don't know anything about it.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, I thought if anybody would know in the area, it'd be you. And uh, I I guess we'll just keep doing some research. And if for some reason you find out anything more, uh, if you can put it out there for us, that'd be great.
1: Okay. Will do. I appreciate it. I'll check that out and see if I can discover a little bit more. Thanks, Danny. Okay. All right. Take care. Hey, good luck. Bye now. Uh, Sometimes when you get into places like that... um, and, and and frankly, I'll tell you our experience at Mosby Building Arts, as and we do a ton of exteriors. We do a lot of outdoor material uh, because we build you know outdoor kitchens, outdoor patios, living spaces. Uh, we actually build, built an outdoor, you might call it a media room, but it, it was a patio with a, a TV. It was a honking TV, but the sound system was even better. Anyway, all those things, so we know stuff. How it relates to this is we were on board with with the artificial um, decking materials. I can't tell you how many warranties we stood up for that the manufacturer did not because they came out with this product. They told us it was the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, we did our, you know, our research on it, and then it came back to, you know, this is a major manufacturer. We'll go with them. Uh and then they had troubles and then they bailed out of the product and they wouldn't support it and we you know installed a good bit of it under our reputation well out comes that product and it goes under mosby's ticket and price tag so we paid you know we paid the ticket on it so my point being that when you step outside of some of these tried and true uh you know and that's where i go with the tend to be a brand name buyer to a certain extent because there's a, a Bucket full of promises and experiences, you know, not all good, but it's how they handle those uh, bad experiences that that set them up. So that's how we at Mosby Building Arts pick products. But my point being, when you get to you know a door like that that you don't know too much about, be very certain that this is under your own warranty, uh, because when you buy a product half price or whatever, you can go back to who sold it to you. But you know, basically, they they just kind of re sell the product if you will so they don't have any um quality responsibility at least when when the warranty gets dropped on the consumer's lap that's how it works so anyway my point being that when you're uh out there picking outside of a normal um awareness of product you're on your own uh hey let's uh, see what's cooking here with my buddy ryan hey ryan good morning welcome to Camwex. ryan wrecker here from Camwex. how you doing ryan
4: yeah, I know. Good. How are you? I'm I'm working in the garage and listening to the show and I had a question for you and it, it's part question, part bellyache, and I'm hoping you can give me some context if that's all right. Sure. All right, so I'm working with chalk paint. Uh we have an old baby crib and my wife wanted to change the color of it so she did her uh due diligence on the H G T V type of, you know, mom blogs and they said, Oh, chalk paint is the way to go if you want to do something like this. So I'm I'm painting these this crib in our garage and i got to say i don't understand the appeal of chalk paint i've used all kinds of different types of paint it's it's clumpy it takes a, you know at least two coats to get this thing going it's expensive it's like 20 bucks a pint for this thing i had to go buy another can and i'm thinking man you got to be kidding me how much money it costs to paint anything with chalk paint so uh, i'm hoping you might be able to explain the appeal of chalk paint and if you can give me any ammunition that I can take back to my wife and say, this is why we'll never use this stuff again.
1: Uh, I am not a fan of chalk paint on a wearing, touchable, uh, dirty, cleanable surface. So a child who puts his hands in his mouth and then the hands on the crib, uh, chalk paint is is chalk paint. It, it's primarily a chalkboard, you know, liquid paint on the wall, chalkboard, and it's an open, porous material. So it's not, you know, the chalk paint, the appeal is it's really flat. But keep in mind, a chalk paint has a ton of stuff in suspension, so it has enough liquid to carry the stuff in brush form onto the surface and then lay it down, and then as it cures, it kind of has an open, porous material. I, I believe, Ryan, you know, and this is after the fact to some extent, Extent, I'd use a different product because, and I'd get to a semi-gloss at least, because the t- higher gloss, the more washable, cleanable, and therefore disinfectant ability uh, built into that paint coating. A chalk paint, by nature, is on the far end of the specter spectrum of open pore, suspended um, chalk. Well, chalk's porous yep. as it can be.
4: Oh, so, yeah. and then she bought me this thing that kind of looks like a sardine can. It's the wax decorative finish that goes on top of it. So there's another uh, more work on top of everything. And I got to say, I, I, there's probably a reason why I've never worked with this stuff before. It's just I am not a fan of it. And I was hoping to basically rant a little bit about it and see if you had a better perspective of maybe I'm doing something wrong
1: well the you know the wax product that goes over the top is an attempt to take a flat open pore material and put a closed cell semi water durable, but you know wax is not as scrubbable as a good quality paint um, I throw me under the bus, blame this thing on me, but I will plea i mean, frankly Ryan, just to save you some time on a weekend you know and and spare time is hard to come by, especially with a family. I think you're going to do this again if you paint this thing with chalk paint, and you're going to paint over a product wow. that isn't really bomb-proof as a substrate, you know, for a, a sooner, um, you know, future good paint. I think you're
4: barking yeah, up the wrong tree. Me, uh, yeah, and it's going to take me forty bucks to paint this uh, crib altogether, and that's way too expensive. So well. I don't know.
1: Yeah, throw me under the bus, blame it on me, brother, because I'm really, it, it hurts me just to think of you spending time on a high, you know, that's like painting doorknobs with chalk paint. I mean, it's high traffic.
4: Don't do uh, get it. it. And you, I could maybe be an example for people listening. Stay away. You know, there's better options, <laughs> even if the wife says it's a good idea.
1: I uh, tell you what, you get an A-plus for husbanding, though. I mean, you, you know, yes, dear, off you go. But, please, I think you're going to roast this weekend and another one later on to undo this later.
4: Well, let me just say the best part of it is listening to you in the garage while I work out here. So thank you.
1: All right, right. Hey, thanks for calling in. Good luck to you. All right, Ryan Wrecker Cam Wax. Again, all of us are in this together. We all have lives. We all have families, homes. We're fixing it up. For those of you living in a cardboard box underneath the viaduct, call in. I know we can waterproof that wax that Ryan Recker's putting on top of that chalk paint. goes really good on top of cardboard. takes a couple of applications. doesn't buff up really good, but it is pretty good for keeping the rain off for a while. I learned this when I was four years old in my first dryer box that came home as a child so we can talk about that let's see what's cooking with my buddy lenny hey lenny good morning welcome to cam wex how can i help you my friend what's cooking in the concrete world yeah lenny um
5: a couple years back i uh did a stamped colored concrete walkways yeah and i uh also you know added on to my house and did this and did this and my daughter got married short story long is um I kind of never s- sealed it, so yeah. now it's kind of, it's weathered. I know you can hit that with muriatic acid. Uh, the, the problem is, is how do you, um, I got a lot of plants and stuff around, and I don't want the acid to hurt them. Is there a way to neutralize that muriatic
1: acid? Um, yes, there is, and no, you shouldn't. Uh, this is the right process, but when you have, um, a, a stamped concrete, uh, do you have color in that or what used to be a color, uh, sealer? Yes,
5: yes, yes, sir. Well, no, there is, it was never sealed. It was, it was just stamped and colored and now it's, you know, it is what it is. It's, ox, or I don't know if it's oxidati- oxidation or dirt or what it all is, but you know, it's, it's oh. my, I know my brother did it, you know, several years ago, um, but he didn't have any plants around his and it brought the color and, you know, and then he sealed it and everything was great. But I was just worried about, you know, all the acid and the plants because I got a lot of landscaping around it.
1: Yeah, the acid is an important thing. I mean, you almost have to dig a trench on each side, uh, acid wash, and then almost sop that stuff up or drain it. Uh, And oftentimes, you know, oil dry, kitty litter, uh, things like that are used to control materials to get it. And then you have to, copiously flush it, you know, just like an eyeball when you get acid in the eyes, you just flush tons of, of water through it, and so you have to dilute that acid for your plants. Um, you know, azaleas will love it, you know, acid-loving plants will love it, but the other yeah. ones go the other way, and they just kind of lay over and croak right away.
5: Um, I didn't so, know if you could put like a, like baking soda as the base, I mean, would that neutralize it, or?
1: Yes, it does. It, it will neutralize that. And frankly, even if you acid wash it, the problem is, is you left that stuff in that open pour concrete. You basically have to bake baking soda, neutralize it. Otherwise, you're just putting your your uh, sealer right over a, an acid because you'll read it. Now, the next thing I'm going is, are you sure you want to do this? Because this is full finishing painting. Uh, if, if you are just doing one color over that paint, when you acid wash this, it basically Basically removes a lot of that color uh, the sealer or colorant needs to go on and if you have any kind of a modeled leather or stone where you have you know darker and lighter you know that's a 9 out of 10 10 out of 10 skill set and best done by the professionals stamped concrete is a lot easier than coloring and sealing over the top of stamped concrete gotcha
5: okay well yeah thanks yeah. you didn't but I think that's why I've been putting it off, because I kind of yeah. knew that's how much work I was going to be getting into. So
1: well, I, I, I'm pretty good at all this stuff. I, I kind of know how it's done. I wouldn't touch this. I, I'd call a pro, and I'd just complain about the price.
5: Yep. All right, for Thank you.
1: <laughs> Good luck there, Lenny. Thanks. Uh, and indeed, right. uh, some of these products are stamped concrete. Um, and, and believe me, I love stamped concrete. I love heated concrete. Um, stamped heated concrete. We've done a few projects like that where, you know, you've got this driveway. It's on the north side of the house, and it's just never going to get sunlight in the winter. Uh, so there's some applications like this. But when you get into stamped concrete, that is faux finishing, which is effective. Effectively a painter taking a coating and making that product look like something different. Um, and in concrete, it can look like stone, leather, brick, um, anything basically. Uh, but it takes an artist. Uh, to do that. Uh, anyway, uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My last two uh, callers were, please don't do it. <laughs> uh, you know, hire it out or use a different product. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. This is KMOX, and I am at your service here on KMOX.
0: Welcome back to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX.
1: All right, home improvement with rainy days coming here. It's important to make sure the outside part of your house is water. Prepared. Indeed. That doesn't mean waterproof. We learned some really nasty lessons in my industry over the last 30 years. Oh, we can do this and we'll keep all the water out. This is not permeable. It's fantastic. It just keeps all the rain outside. We'll seal it up. We'll caulk everything. You've got to get it just right. Five years later, three years later, one year later, whoops. Oh, In St. Louis, we have water in the air, so the inside of the wall was wet and it couldn't dry out, so it went right to mold and rot and rendered some of those structures uh, worthless, basically. A brand new house within a year, year and a half, with that whole thing of make it watertight, it doesn't work. We've just learned that everything has to breathe and live. Moisture comes. Moisture goes. We have seasons. It's just the way it is. Uh, let's see what's happening with my friend Ken. Hey, Ken. Good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help you, my friend?
6: Hey, Scott. Thank you. Yes, sir. Hey, I'm planning on a tough point in my front porch here soon, uh-huh. and I'd like to clean it up before that with a power washer. Um, is there some kind of uh, product you could put on there to get the brick? The, the, the brick's probably about 108 years old, and that's about how old the house is. Sure. Is there something I can put on there that will maybe clean that brick up but not damage it, you know, other than just power washing it with water? If the power washer doesn't get it off completely clean, how I like it.
1: Oh, yeah, uh, and this is really low-tech, uh, so you're in the good, a good place, Ken. Uh, think of your car that hasn't been washed in 108 years. What would you wash it with? You know, so it's really just a good detergent. Uh, It might be a degreaser, something like that, but primarily what happens to that brick, 108-year-old brick is porous. Uh, Some of it's hand pressed. Uh, Even machine press back then wasn't very high pressure. So the brick takes up moisture, and then the dust sticks to the moisture. And then, you know, you get a little sunshine on there, and a bird dropping gets on. Well, anyway, there's a ton of dirt, mold, mildew, uh, in all this dust, so you have a you know kind of a layer of topsoil on your house, it just takes a good old bath. It doesn't take a lot of pressure, for example. When we power wash a house, we use a pressure washer because it puts a lot of water out in a wide fan and we can buy all kinds of accessories for it. But we don't need the 3000 psi, so basically, you know, our wands two feet, three feet away from the house, we use that because of the tool applicator of it, uh, not the pressure. So, good old. Detergent. Uh, you can get a pressure washer. It can take up the detergent right out of the you know right out of the container if you want. Sometimes you put it in a bucket and all. But uh, I would get it wet. I would rinse it and rinse it down once. You'd be surprised the color of the water that comes off of that. Uh, and to that point, if you're doing a front porch and you've got white concrete on that front porch, rinse that porch off right away because there's a lot of water in solution and suspension, dirt in suspension coming down. Uh, so make sure you rinse that stuff off the flat deck, hit it with a detergent, uh, let it sit five or ten minutes, don't let it dry, you know, uh, try and keep it moist all that time, and then rinse it from the top down, and then again, you'll have to rinse off that thing, uh, you're, you're decking the concrete on the flat as well, as well as the steps, um, and then spray the plants or rinse the plants because you want to uh, dilute the effects of whatever that detergent is. Uh, you're good going with, you know, like a Simple Green or a something like that if you have a lot of landscaping around, uh, if not, you can do something like a spick and span, which is you know not as uh, ec- ecologically solid, but it'll really knock you know the dirt off. Uh, acid is of no value to you, uh, no acid wash on your brick that doesn't clean anything, all it does is chemically break down the mortar to let the mortar mess from tuck pointing so that's later on so i would uh i just give it a real good bath ken
6: okay i appreciate it so spick and span
7: that that's yeah. a good
1: suggestion. Yeah. Oh yeah, stuff like I mean, really, uh, you know, I mean, when I wash the car, I I, I go to the kitchen. I typically get a ga- Dawn or a Simple okay, Green Dawn. or yeah, something like that. Just a real okay. good emulsifier. Anything that suds is up. You know, it, it real what that does. An emulsifier when you get a chunk of dirt or grease, an emulsifier just puts a slick bubble around it and it rinses away. Thus, that rinse off your your concrete floor because that stuff will sit on there so that's what that's the purpose of a detergent and it's only good when you rinse it so make sure you put tons of water copiously to wash that rinse that thing from the top down
6: okay is there any time frame after i do that to wait to get it tuck pointed? should i wait or does it matter i mean i wait a month or does it it doesn't matter after i wash it
1: doesn't really matter because frankly okay. when they tuck point it they to keep that um uh pointing material from flashing keep in mind we're in the summertime if you get any if there's brick masonry or whatever in the direct sun basically they will spray it down with water to get the water to soak in so that when they put the pointing material on it follows the pores and the capillaries of that water so the water is actually your friend when you're tuck pointing
6: okay all right thank you sir have a good day
1: all right ken good question thanks for getting us going too Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. It's good to uh, wash and clean things before you get it pointed. It, it's a good thing. Uh, let's see what's happening here and go to, uh, how about Br- uh, Brian? Hey, Brian, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you this fine morning on KMOX? Well, oh, hang oh, on,
8: Scott, Brian. I'm having a... Yeah. Okay.
1: Yes, sir, you're right. I'm, gonna... I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, sir.
5: I'm having the darkest time trying to find some two-by-six-by-eight redwood deck boards.
7: Mm -hmm. Now,
5: I know they're not going to be Mm two-by-six-by-eight because of the the sizing changes in the past 25 years. But can you help me
1: out? Have you been to Buyer's Lumber? Uh, 170, 170, Highway 170 and Olive. Um, There are a couple of... Uh, companies around. Harrison Lumber used to be the place to go for fur. They bought logs and 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 sawed up fur logs into lumber buyers over the last 50 or 100 years 50 years at least has been the redwood place uh, and the cedar place uh, and they just stock a whole lot more material they'll be able to talk turkey with you on you know what the thickness of the board now it's an inch and a half minus back then it's an inch and a half plus uh, all that stuff but uh, buyers lumber is the place to go primarily they may not have the the stock nobody really carries stock and inventory anymore but they'd be able to know exactly where how when and and you know what your probability or lead time is great thanks for the info appreciate it yeah and, and part of this business is just knowing where to go for heaven's sakes it's just you know who's who's the wizard in that area uh but byers lumber has, has been and and i think still is so b e y e r s highway 170 and olive street road uh let's see right, what's happening right over there and yeah yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and they're hard to find. I mean, uh, if you're up on the Highway 170, you can look down from the highway to the east, uh, you know, toward U-City, uh, and you'll right. see them. But when you get down on street level, it, it, it's you go underneath that viaduct for 170, and I'm talking about you turn to the south right away. Uh, it's right there. It's really easy to miss. Gotcha. Okay, thanks, Scott. Have a good one. All right, Brian. Good luck, my friend. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, again, we had, uh, I want to get in a little bit into Brian's on the redwood and the cedar. Um, When I first started in carpentry when I was in my 20s, coming right out of college, my dad, you know, it's like, wow, okay, redwood is, it's good, it's great for a deck, Uh, it won't rot. Well, you know, that's what I said to my dad. My dad said, yes, it, it will rot. I said, well, redwood, you know, the word on the street is it doesn't rot. And he said, construction heart redwood, the wood from the center of the tree and the very tight rings, the inner circles, that won't rot. When you get to the white wood, the fast growth during later years, the pithy, P I T H Y, the pithy wood, the white wood will rot. The red does not. Well, when you have one redwood. Board or a piece of lumber, you have a little bit of white in it, a little bit of red, you have a few knots. Some of it is construction heart sometimes. So, my point is when you get to redwood or even cedar, do not believe that it won't rot. I promise you it will sooner or later. They are both low fiber stress, which means they have not a whole lot of structural capability. They're not like oak. Oak has a very high fiber stress. Pine has a high fiber stress. That's why your treated lumber, which is yellow pine, is a high fiber stress number. And what that means is you just can't bend and break that stuff. It's hard, heavy, structural lumber. Redwood Cedar, neither are. So keep in mind that it is construction heart redwood that is the stuff you're looking for. And that's why all these artificial decking materials came out, because the price of construction heart redwood, never mind, you can't find the stuff anymore because those were in virgin old growth. Uh, forests which are gone so just be aware when you're getting redwood Uh, and i love redwood and i love cedar because they are soft and they are a forgivable surface you have to watch out for the splinters like anything else but they're a lot nicer softer more user friendly than a yellow pine treated material. Uh let's see who else is up here. Uh uh oh yep, I'm telling I, I'm getting being told I have to take a break. Um I just got the hook around my neck. So anyway, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. This is KMWX. I am Scott Mosby and we are all at your service.
0: Welcome back to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center, on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, once again, Scott Mosby on KMOX.
1: All right, Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, word of caution. Let's get right to Randy. Hey, Randy, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help, sir?
6: Hey, Scott, I just heard you talking to somebody about, or giving them some advice uh, on concrete, and you were mentioning that... Uh, when you wash your car, you use uh, Dawn or some dishwashing
1: liquid? I do. I guess, well, that will take your wax off, okay? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, it I mean, it. well, that assumes yeah, you okay. wha- my wax my car, Randy. What are you thinking? I say what? <laughs> you, you assume I wax my car. Oh, right. I was going to say, <laughs> if you don't wax it, then don't worry about it. But, oh. but, uh, but yeah, you
6: should use a car wash, you know. If you're, I mean, you know, uh, if you, you can buy, uh, just so I'd let you know, you know, so.
1: Um, You don't strip strip your wax. Yeah, I didn't know that. Thanks. Appreciate the help from a friend. Okay. You're welcome. All right. Thanks, Randy. All right. See you later. Bye. All right. Bye now. Uh, so Randy says, beware, Dawn will remove the wax from your car. That's how stout that stuff is. Uh, so I, I knew it was effective. But for lazy guys like me, you know, I don't wax my car. You know, I kind of. Anyway, uh, I generally, I. Uh, anyway, let, let's not get too lazy uh, about here. 314-436-7900. We've got some good calls on the line. News, weather, and sports coming up here soon. Stay tuned. Top of the hour news, weather, sports. Sports. I will be back with you for hour two, lunchtime on KMOX. This is KMOX. It is the home of the Cardinals, like the soon-to-be new Cardinals, right here on KMOX.
0: KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helotech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show, presented by Suburban Leisure Center on Olive, one mile west of 141. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX.
1: KMOX. All right, lunchtime, KMOX, University of KMOX. This is the Heel attack Home Improvement Show and a little bit of help from uh, Suburban Leisure Center. Yeah, Let's get outside a little bit. Uh, the evenings and the mornings are delightful. Sometimes the afternoons, well, with a little bit of rain, throw something in there. Eh, you know, we have our times, and glory doesn't come all the time. But if it's fantastic all the time, how do you know it? because Without the other side, you just don't know. 314-436-7900. Right here. Ten phone lines open for you. 314-436-7900. Toll-free anywhere on the globe. 800-925-1120. 800-925-1120. This signal goes about five or six states. So uh, that with the 800 uh, phone number from anywhere on the globe. As well as Radio.com. KMOX.com. Uh, radio.com is an app you can put on your smartphone. Take KMOX with you anywhere, all the time, every time. Uh, you can uh, blog, you can come in and tune into my show during the week and hear previous shows. Uh, there's also an, an instant rewind if you want to hear the last 20 seconds of that dumb thing I said just a little while ago. Or maybe, you know, I've heard. It, it, once in 2012, I said something really smart. You know, And you might want to go back to that. Radio.com is the way to do that. Uh, but as well, my point being that with today with smartphones, computers, uh, internet, radio.com, the website com, all those ways you can go back and hear and listen to Camoex as well as live if you like. 314 436 7900 Nine two five eleven twenty. My name still is Scott Mosby. I've been on KMOX twenty-two years, something like that. Um, I enjoy this. Uh, this really keeps me sharp. Uh, when I first started, uh, the offer came: "Would you like to do this show?" Very intimidating. I can't be that smart. I don't have all the answers. What am I going to do with this? Well, pretty soon I realized, you know, I'd, I'd been on the air and. You know, it's came wax. We're all in the family. And some answers are better, more current, uh, have a few more aspects to it than others. And, you know, when there's a difference, for example, Randy pulled my keister out of the fire. Hey, man, Dawn will remove the wax right off of your car. Oh, well, for those of you with discipline and car wax, wax that's a valid point uh, for washing brick. It's good stuff. But again, I do primarily what I use the want with the Dawn for is more not the body but uh, the tires and the wheels. Sometimes in social distancing I have washed almost everything I own. Way more than it needed to be. Uh, 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. I uh, own Mosby Building Arts. uh, Very proud to be part of this company that was founded by my father. Uh, Now it's an honor to work with the people that I work with because, you know, um, I get interviewed, frankly, by you, as far as does he know what he's talking about? But for recruiting, for attracting really smart tradespeople, they like to know that somebody else cares about what they care about. So one of the most interesting things that happens as a byproduct of Cam is it appeals to really smart tradespeople. I didn't expect that. I, you know, I thought I'd be on the frying pan, on the bubble, you know, expecting all these answers to come from me, uh, and I don't, I don't need to know them all. Yet I do understand, and I can't help myself from studying the physics behind this stuff because I, we are basically uh, the research and development arm of a lot of our industry. Because you know we're we're really close to most of these major manufacturers because we're a sizable company. We've been around for a long time, uh, and our reputation is is nationally known as well as locally known. So they want to know what we think, you know, and sometimes we don't think good things and they want to know those too. So my point being that, there are a lot of things that we do at Mosby Building Arts on behalf of you, the KMOX listeners, figuring out, trying out new products that are not ready for prime time. Some of these claims uh, are claims. There are some coatings out there that are so high quality, they say this is the best thing since sliced bread. But when you put it on a wall and you trap moisture in it because it's not a permeable coating, you wind up bringing uh, really bad effects To what happens when that moisture can't dry out of the wall fast enough. And yet, all the claims for the coatings are fantastic. And they're true. That doesn't mean the net takeaway value to a consumer is positive. And that's part of what we do at KMOX. And I describe us as a a family business. Uh, If you've ever been in a family, I bet most of us all have, you know, kind of, you know, families argue. We do too. We debate. I mean, we go at it. You'd think it was a three fall wrestling match. Sometimes in the office, like that product just won't make it under moisture. It won't make it ten years later with mildew. On and on and on we go. Or you know, anyway, it's interesting. And then the very, so it is a fun, fun place and a fun industry. Uh, and I'm very proud to be part of Mosby Building Arts and uh, you know the people and the, and the you know the, this whole. Co- COVID thing, holy smokes, the social distancing, the discipline to clean up, uh, stay away from each other, how to handle uh, clients' homes. I'm very proud and pleased to be part of this company. Um, Let's see what's cooking here. Uh, Let's go to Tom and see what's happening. Fire up the phone line get going. Hey, Tom, good afternoon. Welcome to Lunch on KMOX. How can I help, sir?
7: Uh, When I bought uh, new construction, uh, I bought this lot specifically because there was nothing to the west of it. And I put in all kinds of windows. Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, I have,
7: uh, you know, high-quality Venetian blinds, Mm -hmm. uh, but I keep wondering, does window window tinting make sense? And and what are the positives and the negatives in terms of, you know, when it's sunny versus when it's not sunny? And uh, I'm also assuming it's put on on the inside, and it's a a coating, so therefore it's probably not going to deteriorate as if something that was on the outside. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are your thoughts?
1: Uh, Tom, if you had put um, high-quality window coating on your windows when you bought them new, you would pay about the same price to put an aftermarket coating on. The ones manufactured, that goes on the inside of the glass, inside your insulated glass. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you really can't scrub it off or hurt it. But coatings are the real deal. They are very effective. They work courtesy NASA. We fired these space shuttles all out in the space, and all we had was some coating material to you know, to keep them from melting down into a puddle of metal. Mm-hmm. Uh so this stuff is worthwhile and the the one place where the the return on investment is huge is a west facing sunset summer application. Oh, so- yeah, that's me. Yeah, it's you, man. I mean, if it's an eastern, south, you know, then there's mixed reviews. But uh, you will lose a little bit of um, heat gain in the winter, but not enough to deal with the ultraviolet fade. Your furniture and your carpets will just be pounded by the sun. So what you will find if you don't do this is that your furniture and, and uh, contents will pay the price more so than the heat.
7: Now, you commented, you said a coating as opposed to getting a, uh, a window uh, tinting.
1: It's a film. It's a still the same thing. They just is put this. the same this, thing? Yeah, yeah, you've got 3M Research and Development NASA out there. Uh, the downside is it does have a color. The more effective the yeah. film you put on the glass, the more colored it gets. Yeah, I yeah, you can pick that. I mean, there's so many of these things. Um, and just get a pro to do it. It's They're easy to put on, um, but they're really easy to mess up. You get a bubble in the middle of that thing. Oh,
7: yeah. I'm, I'm all thumbs. There's no way in the world that I would try to do it myself.
1: Yeah, yeah that's called wisdom.
7: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a a recommendation, or do you not like to give those over the phone?
1: No, it's really go by the brand names. I don't have any personal experience with them. I know we use them often. Uh, Oftentimes we get into things where we need uh, tempered glass on a a window that's in a stairwell, and rather than change the window for $2,000, we put a film on it that creates, Mm -hmm. you know, that makes that kind of like a tempered glass. It's not going to fall in shards over somebody putting their hand through it and that thing. Yeah. So, yeah, we do get, but I don't really have a brand or company specifically.
7: Okay, but you said uh, 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 3M or somebody like that? Uh,
1: yeah. Um, they well, they it? were on the front end. They, 3M makes a lot of this stuff, and a ton of the um, applicators here in St. Louis and the Midwest use 3M products as well as others, but they're all pretty much underneath the 3M patents.
7: Okay. All right, sir. Thank you.
1: Okay, Tom, thanks. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Stay tuned. One more hour of magic here on KMOX. We'll be right back. All right, Hour 2, Home Improvement. This is the Helitech Home Improvement Show. One more hour. Stay tuned. Phone lines are just lit up. Man, we've got some smart questions on the board here. Uh, hey, it is seminar time, 10 steps to a successful bath remodel. <laughs> it's coming up here just in a few days. June 30th, that's this week, 11 to 12, uh, starts in the morning. It's a webinar. Yeah, there we go. How, how do you do social distancing? digitally virtually so anyway it's 10 steps to a successful bathroom remodel you'll be able to uh, you know text in questions and such so anyway go to mosbybuildingarts.com for those of you that can't remember that call mosby c-a-l-l-m-o-s-b-y today now that's more uh, on phones and internet and all call mosby is a little dated but so am i but prevents you from having to type out Mosby Building Arts with an s.com. Anyways, that's, uh, we're on. Let's see what's cooking here who've been, who's been waiting. Norm, hey, Norm, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you, my
8: you friend? taking my call. Um, this started like about a week or so ago. Whenever you flush the toilets in the house, whether it's at one end of the house or the other end of the house, you hear like a foghorn sound going through the water line. The noise will stop if I turn on one of the faucets. But the foghorn will stop, you know, once the cycle has gone through on the toilet. So the toilets are relatively new. I mean, they're two, three, four years old, Mm -hmm. and um, there's no leaks. We went downstairs and looked. There's no leaks. So I thought maybe you might have an answer.
1: Uh, it could be anywhere in your house. I have an answer. It's not a pinpoint accurate one. What happens, and it may be on one of the toilets, and it may be on a pressure regulator at the front end of the house. It may actually be in one of the stops or shutoffs down in the basement that goes up to turn off a bathroom. What's going on is it's kind of like a clarinet or an oboe. It's like a reed instrument in exactly. the band or orchestra. Exactly. Uh, that, and it's typically the water sure or the seat that gets where the water, instead of flowing on one side, the water gets underneath that washer and flows on both sides of that element, whatever it's washer or the diaphragm and the pressure regulator. But it starts fluttering that thing and that fluttering thing is what makes that noise, resonates throughout all the pipes. So if you have one toilet doing it, you'll hear it throughout the whole house. Uh, the way to go is shut off that toilet. Uh, process of elimination. Uh, furthest one away, just shut it down. Uh, you can turn it on when you use the toilet. But uh, typically, if you hear the sound and you shut off one of the toilets down with the shutoff down below, yeah. um, the, the stop on the wall, if it stops, when you do that, you typically identify the most probable, this isn't foolproof, you can fix that toilet. What it is is just uh, rebuilding or replacing You know the mechanism. I do like original equipment manufacturers uh, for this. Uh, foghorn, what's called pipe hammer, Um, but uh, it can pound your pipes, but it can also be on the entrance to your house as well, so the shutoff stop that turns everything off into the whole house, I've seen it where that washer is actually the one.
8: Is that the pressure regulator, that that thing that's on the water line that when you first comes into the house?
1: Yep, right above it, you have your shutoff, and then you have that little thing, it looks like an oxygen tank. um, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and when you take that little T-handle and you screw it in, it depresses the diaphragm and raises the pressure. Unscrew it, it lets the diaphragm come back out and doesn't depress it, and you have lower pressure. But that thing, you've got, houses are pretty complex. There's a lot of technology just in the water system. So process of elimination is where I'd go with you, Norm.
8: So it's either toilet. So if it's at one end of the house and we flush, you hear it at the other end of the house. If you flush that toilet at the other end of the house, it goes, you hear it it's yeah, yeah. back and forth. Most
1: commonly the toilet. You can shut off both those toilets, yeah. um, and you can still get that sound. So you can you can basically flush a toilet, turn off one, turn off the other, and still have the sound because you've got the same um, um, washers in shut off, turn off uh, valves in, elsewhere in the house. You see what I mean? Anything that has a washer.
8: Okay, so it sounds like we need a plumber.
1: <laughs> eh, I, I do this yourself for a while because this is process of I do the hunting on your own if okay. you can't get it fixed, if you can't identify it, because finding it doesn't take a plumber. Fixing it may take a plumber.
8: Okay. Hey, as always, we appreciate your help and advice. Okay, Norm. Thank you. Good luck, my friend. Bye okay, then. bye-bye.
1: And that's it. You know, I call it pipe hammer. But if you get on the Internet and you do a search on pipe hammer, honking toilets, holy smokes, you'll see stuff from Ph.D. level down to kick the toilet. You know, well, that doesn't work. But the bottom line is you've got water flowing on two sides of a washer or a diaphragm or something, and it sounds like a clarinet. (laughs) So anyway, uh, let's see what's happening. Who else has been waiting a good bit here? Let's go to uh, Denny. Hey, Denny, Scott Mosby here. How can I help you this
9: mid-afternoon? Uh, How can I help you, sir? Hi. Hi, Scott. Um, I'm Like a lot of other people, I've been working from home for a number of months, and my home office has one heating uh, duct going, uh, supplying, and it's a pretty good-sized room. All the other rooms across the front of the house have two. And so, you know, I noticed as the weather started warming up, I thought, well, I wonder what's going on. And I I, I looked, and there is a single, you know, six-inch duct supply line for that office. But the way they constructed it off the main trunk line, it takes a, a bend underneath the joist, and then mm. it comes up and feeds the room. So, I'm, you know, I'm losing a lot of air and stuff there because of that bend. Yeah. so i thought there's got to be a way maybe i can make it more direct but i can see why they didn't because of the way they constructed some of the cold air returns and so on like there's just no way to make that run straight so my first pass i wrapped it in duct insulation all around thinking well at least if i'll seal it maybe i'll get as much out of it as i can mm-hmm. but as the weather warms up i'm still not getting what i feel like is enough and it's, and it's my only source you know it's my yeah. I only got one vent so my question is, the, the booster fans that you read about, you know, that go inside the duct and tie into, yeah. you know, when your motor, do, do you think much of those, or is that effective, or am I just kind of wasting my time?
1: A uh, couple things to try before that. Um, okay. But, uh, Denny, uh, is is there a return air grill in that room? Or do you have there to is. leave your door open to get return
9: air? No, so no, got, there is there is a return air air in that room, yes sir. Which direction does your room face? Uh north. North. Huh.
1: Okay. Well, uh, the next thing I would do, you need more volume, whether through a booster fan in that existing 6-inch round or adding a second 6-inch round. Uh, And frankly, think it has to go far away from the return, so you would have a supply usually on the exterior wall returns are high and inside uh, on an interior wall, the other side of the room. Okay, yep. I, I would look into before I got you know mechanical and you know flow you know and electric and all that. I'd I'd look into adding a second six inch supply. You you aren't getting enough BTUs. You aren't getting enough flow. You're correct on that. But there are other ways than just blow more pit, through a bad pipe. You know with the mm-hmm. bends uh, and there may be a reason why they didn't put a second one in there too. When you get into figuring that out,
9: yeah. And if um, if if I were to create a second one somehow if I was able to do that, Mm -hmm. does it need to be six inch? Does it need to be the same size or could it be something smaller that or. Or would I I normally want to try to keep them both the same size? Uh,
1: Usually the same size. There should have been flow uh, engineering when the house was designed, but you're getting not enough flow. Uh, I would go six inches, usually the smallest on a residential supply. When we get into fives and fours, we're venting a uh, vent fan in a kitchen or a bathroom or something like that, mostly outflow. But six typically supplies on houses are six, seven, and eight.
9: So the best choice would be a second docked. But if that all fails, then try to potentially look at increasing the volume on the one I have.
1: Yes, yes. But yeah, you, uh, you can move that up to seven or eight too. But when you still do that dipsy do underneath the duct or joist or whatever, you, that's when you every t- every angle uh, cuts flow by fifteen to twenty percent. So when you go yeah. down two nineties, cuts you know like uh, thirty to to fifty percent out of the flow.
9: Yeah, it's pretty dramatic in that room, and I, I I saw it immediately when I went down there and looked at it, and I thought, oh, there's the problem right there. It's got too many bends. Yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. Okay. And All keep right, in well, mind, I I, when you,
1: when you come off of the, the trunk line, you've got a 90 there, and then when you loop up in into the room again, you've got a 90 there. So you've already got two. When you put four, man, you, you lost most of the flow out of that
9: register. Yeah, Okay. Well, it sounds like i got a little homework to do. I appreciate the advice, Scott. Okay, Denny, you're, armed, you're ready to take it on, though. <laughs> all right, thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Bye now. Home improvement. Scott Mosby, again, these are all mistakes and challenges that we at Mosby Building Arts deal with every day. Our designers know enough. You know, they'll note that change in ductwork. It's like, oh, man, this guy's complaining it's too hot, too cold. I'm looking at all these 90s. We go home. We design the project. We come back, throw it to the... Production team, it's like, no, this needs a this. Uh, and, and it's like, well, booster fan? It's like, yeah, but that's electrician. Then you need a flow meter. thing turns on and off. It's noisy. If you can just add a second supply. So these are the conversations that we as Mosby Building are a family business. That's what we argue about. What's the best way to bring that value to that project? Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. I have to take a little break. I'll be right back after this. Alright, home improvements. Scott Mosby wax Think about it, folks. We've got rain and humidity, and then tomorrow we're going to have heat and humidity. Yeah, buddy. Uh, what can I say about that? It just If you don't like it, wait a day. It'll change. It is St. Louis. And remember, we've got a bathroom remodel seminar coming up June 30th. Uh, that's just this coming week here. 11 to 12, 11 a.m. to noon. Uh, you can check out at mosbybuildingarts.com or call uh because of all those letters. Anyway, find out what's cooking with bathrooms. We're getting fired up uh, digitally now. Uh, let's go to the phones and talk to Ron. Hey, Ron, Scott Mosby here. Lunchtime KMOX, you're on.
3: Yeah, hey, Scott. Thanks for the show. Thanks for taking the call. I had a question about best practices on venting a attic crawl space. Okay. Yeah, I have an older home, 37 vintage, um, and it doesn't have the soffit vents, but it does have the two gable end vents, which hardly seem adequate. And I'm wondering if there are any best practices on improving the uh, ventilation up there.
1: Uh, there are, Ron, they are uh, kind of tough uh, when the house is designed without overhangs, uh, without eaves and intakes. Uh, then you're really talking about, uh, there are some roofing products, and this is typically done when we re-roof. Um, there are some low-profile kind of slits that go uh, up above where, you know, an ice dam might occur on a roof. So you go up two or three feet. And these are little bumps, if you will, on the shingles, kind of like a raised Inlet area that brings in that inlet vent. Also, there is a trim that can go on. You typically kind of bump out the gutter board a little bit and create a space for ventilation. Uh, but short of those two, you're better off staying with what you have, which is the two gable end vents and the high. There's no point adding a ridge vent there unless you're going to add the intake. Uh, low at, at the gutter line, either through this aftermarket um, uh, low vent or bump out gutter board type product.
3: I see. Yeah, it's kind of a weird situation. Um, I just notice a lot of homes; they just don't have enough ventilation there, and without a, a soffit vent, it's it's pretty tough. Um, yeah. You wouldn't recommend any kind of whirly bird or some type of cupola up there.
1: No, because you're already your gable end vents are already pretty high in the top of the roof. So you're just adding more of what you already have. So I but you're it. so you're super, super ventilating the top third of your attic, but you've still orphaned off the bottom two thirds, you know, and that's where the humidity sits and where your insulation is and all that everything else that's important. So unless you're gonna wash that whole roof cavity, and volume space with cool air coming in low, rising with the heat and exhausting high. The whirlybirds pan vents, um, ridge vent, all of that is just more of what you already have in those two gable vents. All right. Well, thank you, Scott. appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's uh, when you go to re-roof, that's the time to pop open that can and take on that task because going back retro, they're okay, but you know, and they can be done, but it's costly. It's a small job you come out and do a couple of things, um, you know, but when you're re-roofing, it's just a little bit more. You know, it's an extra 10% or, you know, instead of you know, the, they're already on the roof. Now, the issue is when you get into roofing companies, this slows them down, and this is a different non-main skill for a lot of roofers. If they're not really fluent in attic ventilation, they'll blow you off and say you don't need it. And what it really means is I don't know what that is. I'm going to keep out of it, and that's a good thing. It's, they're smart enough to stay away from it. So
3: Understood. Okay. Yeah. So a dormer vent wouldn't work either, you don't think?
1: Uh, It could, but your dormer only works when you get it low. Well, dormers don't look typically good when you have them down low. You see what I mean? No, exactly. (laughs) So, yes, they do. Uh, Maybe you shouldn't. Okay. Thank you so much. You bet, and you're on the right path, Ron. As long as you understand the process, you can navigate through those choices and, and, you know, when your re-roof happens. Great. Thank you. Okay, Scott Mosby. Let's see what's cooking. Uh, we've got a uh, Terry. What's cooking with Terry? Hey, Terry. Good afternoon. Welcome to Cam Wax. How can I help? About
10: uh, I need some chimney repair. It, it my house was built in nineteen fifty four, and I don't have no uh, what do you call it a top?
1: You know. Uh, yeah. No cap. Yeah.
10: No cap, sir.
1: Yeah. Well, you do. It's cement. And in 1950, yeah. it, that stopped being good about 1980. Um, so, that cement cap up there, which is kind of a, a, a brick mason's version of a concrete slab, they mix it up and they put it on the top. The problem is, you know, any concrete that's 70 years old in the flat form doesn't usually last long. So, you've got water coming in through the top of that chimney. I would yeah. replace that metal. I'd go ahead and do the same thing. They may even have to rebuild the top section of your chimney sometimes. You know, we get into some serious problems where we're getting down, you know, six, eight feet down. Uh, but my point being, make sure you change that and then add a metal cap on top of that. And that keeps the birds out and keeps the rain yes. from messing with that cement yeah. cap. And good things happen.
10: Well, sir, the only way they can get there, do I, I got a ceiling fan. And that's mm-hmm. the only way they can get up there, take it out.
1: Oh, this this is probably going to be done from the outside of the house.
10: Oh, it's an old house.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's sometimes the cost of getting to the top of the chimney exceeds the labor necessary to make the repair. So, uh, you know, getting there is sometimes half the fun or most of the fun. So, yeah, this is all done from the outside. Oftentimes, if it's bad enough from the top, we will come up and go in through the attic to do some of the repairs. But that's very seldom.
4: Mm.
1: That's
10: very seldom. Uh. Is there uh, somebody I can call? Or
1: uh, Yeah, we. Uh, you're welcome to call Mosby Building Arts. Uh, we hired a third-generation brick mason during the downturn in the 08. I mean, not everything was bad during that downturn. We have some great people that have just had enough time, you know, didn't want to be in business anymore. So we've got some pretty pretty dandy brick uh, layers, uh, brick masons, stone masons, and tuck pointers. So, yeah.
10: Because I know it needs, it needs painted, too. I know that.
1: Yeah, see that our advantage is that's one company and and we have all those employees. So if there's a problem, it's all ours. <laughs> that's how we handle customer service, and that's the idea. If you have just one company, you know you you hold them accountable for the promises made. When you have multiples, you're trying to figure out who done it.
10: Well, I made a mistake when I bought the house. I didn't know that's the only way you could get up there is to through the, uh, the ceiling fan.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well they pro- there probably was a scuttle and then they replaced that put a ceiling fan in that scuttle because there was already a hole. So I- I've done those things a few things. I I'm not the only one. I've done a few sins over my time.
10: Well, I'm seventy-one <laughs> years old. I can't get out on a roof no more.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's called wisdom too.
10: Okay. Who would I call, sir? Uh hey, you're
1: welcome you- to you're welcome to call us at Mosby uh 1800
10: 909 909-
1: Eighteen hundred.
10: Eighteen hundred. Yep. Okay. Could they give me an estimate on it, or what?
1: oh uh, yeah, we'd have to come out and take a look at it. It's you know like getting a doctor to estimate what the surgery is going to be without being in his office. So yeah, w- yeah,
10: would 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 they charge me for the? Uh, no. You know, no, no, no. Okay, nope. I'll I'll give you a call because I need something done. I'm I'm worried about it.
1: Yeah, well, I'll tell you this, uh, Terry, one of the things we do when we do show up at a house is we look for trouble. So you may not like what we find. <laughs> no boy. Yeah, we go out sometimes talking at root. You're looking at a kitchen. I want to do this kitchen in the worst way, and the roof is about to fall apart. It's like you can't put this money underneath a future leaking roof. Fix the roof. Oh, I don't want to do a roof. I want to do a kitchen. Well, it doesn't work that way. So anyway, we're not always good news, but we'll tell you the truth.
10: So there won't be no charge for him to look at it and tell me? Nope. Nope. Okay. Okay, then I'm going to give you a call.
1: Okay, Terry, take care.
10: You too, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye.
1: Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Let's take a short pause and come back. We've got some good callers on the the board already. Man, you guys are smart. I'm going to need to bring my A game here. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, Kim Wex. I'll be right back
0: ready for another
6: Cardinals classic game. Sponsored by Lux Galore International. Tonight, from 2013, it's the National League Division Series Game 4, The Cards and Pirates. Hear it here. And we pregame show at 6 on your voice of the St. Louis Cardinals.
1: King of OX. All right, back together, Home Improvement, wrapping up Hour 2. This is indeed KMOX. I am, I promise, at least I was a little while ago, Scott Mosby. Uh, And we have just a couple more calls. Let's see what's going on with John. Hey, John, good afternoon. Welcome to KMOX, my friend.
6: Hi, Scott. Uh, Thanks for your show. Yes, sir. I I, uh, power washed my patio Couple years ago, and I uh, never got around to sealing it. Okay. And and I've got I'm going to do it again uh, this year. I wonder how long that sealant lasts. I got a gallon of seal sealant I haven't opened. Um, oh. Is that still good?
1: Oh, I think so. If you have not opened the can at all, usually they remain in pretty good shape. Uh, once okay. you open them up and you induce the uh, oxygen, then chemical reactions start taking. But if you've never opened it, I think you're probably going to find yourself in good place.
6: Oh, good. Now, I've got an older can that hasn't been open either. Probably 10 years old, I I kind of uh, was dubious about that can. But it's not open. Would that
1: still be good? Uh, You're going to have to judge that when you – I I would open the first can. When you're ready to seal, I'd open the first can, mix it. You have to stir-mix it so you don't put a whole bunch of bubbles into it. Uh, And then I'd open the 10-year-old can alongside it and make the judgment at that point. If it's cloudy or looks different, because two years on the shelf, you know, it's a little bit – it's losing a little bit of something, but not much. Ten years, you know, there are all kinds of chemical things that can happen inside that can in ten years. Gotcha. All the temperature range, so you'll know when you see it.
3: Okay,
6: so you mix it with, uh, I guess, water, huh?
1: Uh well I wouldn't mix it with anything. Uh, you follow the directions. Mostly most of the sealers are applied directly according to how they come out okay. of the can. Uh, okay. And I'd do a little bit more checking on that. You know on uh, through the manufacturer the proper application. Uh, typically the way we do it is we'll either uh, apply it with a sprayer. You know sometimes a pressure sprayer and then we'll back roll it to get rid of the puddles and the too thick you know too thin type things. So we typically roller apply most. This or we spray it with a high pressure wand, which is a very fast way of applying it.
2: Right,
6: I'm just gonna roll it. Uh, yeah, I'm not too good with the power sprayers,
1: no, neither am I. But uh, the the big boys do it that way. But the roller is my tool of choice, I get it.
6: Great, well, thank you, sir.
1: Okay, John, you bet. Good luck. Home improvement. Let's see what's help. We've got uh must be his brother. Let's go to Jack and see what's cooking. Hey Jack, Scott Mosby here. Welcome to Cam Wax.
7: Oh uh, yes, uh, Scott. This is Jack. Uh my yeah. house is uh twenty-five years old okay. and uh it has certain teen color lock siding on it, uh uh-huh. which is some kind of fiber board. Yeah. Um it's starting to develop some hairline cracks down on that drip edge. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if, can I paint that or should I recite it? Uh,
1: you can't recite. You can't get color lock uh, anymore. And uh, it's a great siding, but when that vinyl layer um, wears out on the lower edge, you're either reciting or painting. So you can paint the whole side thing, uh, the whole product. So you paint the whole house. But once you start the painting, you're really delaying the uh, replacement of that siding. So it's really up to you whether you paint or recite
7: it is paintable and it will last for several years i guess
1: oh yeah yeah it's that bottom edge that starts going bad that's where the paint fails when you do it but the right. rest of it works out pretty well you'll be surprised uh, you know it's a you know the building science guys call it was wood because at one time it was wood um but those that's a composite siding and it can be effectively painted the weak achilles um heel is that lower part which may need to be replaced Okay, thanks, Jack. Good luck. All right, home improvement, Scott Mosby. Stay tuned, folks. We've got news, weather, and sports coming up. I'll talk to you next week.